The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. We're on this series right now, Elements of Worship, and so what we're talking about is just why we do what we do here. Pretty simple. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we sing? Why do we pray? Why do we hear a sermon? We need to know those things, right? So uh, that's the series we're on right now, but before I get started, let's just open up this time. God's already here. God's already speaking to us. God's already in this room with us. Can we just open up this time of just prayer, just dedicating it that much? God, would you just be here? Would you speak to our hearts? And may we not just sit here passively until, you know, the pastor is done praying and goes on with whatever, but may you guys actually be active within my prayer. While I'm praying, would you guys also pray the same prayer that God would speak to our hearts, that we wouldn't just be passive in this, but we would be aggressively and actively seeking what he has for you. Would you guys join with me in that? Lord, we are expectant for you. Lord, we anticipate that you would speak to our lives, that this wouldn't just be a hit or miss thing, God. That every single time we come and we call on your name, that you are present 100% of the time, without fail, you, the creator of all, the God that created everything, is here in this very room, tangibly next to us, with us, all around us. May we be aware of that. And in unbelief, disbelief, just that you are here, you are tangible. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. And that I would be bold to say whatever is needed to be said, that even if people walk out of this room and every single person is angry with me and upset with me, if it is what needed to be said tonight to the hearts and the souls here, let that be what is said. Lord, I pray right now that you would speak to hearts, that you would encourage, but not only encourage, that you would convict those that are sitting here in need, convicting, challenging reshaping, transforming of hearts, and redirecting. Lord, I pray that you would prompt me to say whatever needs to be said, not just what feels good to be heard. Lord, speak to us. We are anticipating that you would be here, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. You know, I'm thinking... While they were singing, they're just like, how good that, that is. And I, I, re, I regular, regularly come up here, if I can get that out, regularly come up here, and I talk about how cool it is, the theology that we sing, the things that we say when we're singing, like, that's really cool stuff, but regularly, just like reading scripture, we can kind of not even think about the words, right, and you're just singing it. I'm just thinking about those words that we were just singing, like, man, that is so stinking cool, the things that we say, the things that we praise God for what he has done, the love that he has, and sometimes we get done singing and we don't even remember the, literally a single line of it, of what we just sang, but oh man, what, what a rough thing that is, because I think really those things are so true, and we need to hold on to those truths. I was scrolling here on, on the internet earlier today, and I saw somebody post something on Facebook, and this isn't a political thing, it definitely isn't. Um, but it's something that applies so directly to the church. I saw somebody post that uh, there is now, according to 
CCLI, that is the licensing group that licensed specific Christian songs, songs that are licensed as worship songs. There is now one that is called Make This Nation Great Again. You guys know all that. That's Trump's campaign. That's, tr- that's Trump saying. And that is literally the, that is the worship song that these people call. And they, they, it is literally a song that is sing in churches now. And, and I was like, wow, that's kind of weird. I'll look into it. I looked at it. Literally, there was nothing that said anything about God. It was everything about the United States of America. That's cool. We can have songs about the U.S. Like, that's, that's awesome. But it's not a worship song. I mean, I, I sit here and think, and this is exactly why we have sermon series that, are, that is specifically about why do we do what we do? Because I think we have so easy, I think Christianity, the church, capital C, has lost an understanding of why we have these things when we gather, why we do what we do. What is a worship song? What does it mean to glorify God with song? What is, we, we've lost, like what, what is it and why do we do it? That's just not even, and can I be completely honest here? I think if anyone needs to be completely honest, it's the person that's preaching God's word, right? I think the Bible Belt has some of the worst Christians that do this, the Christians that do it most regularly, maybe the best way that I say it, not worst Christian. I think the Bible Belt is filled with people that say that more or do that more than anything because those are the people, we're in the Bible Belt if you didn't know that, we're, including I, we're in the Bible Belt are Christians that don't know why they do what they do when they go to a church service. We are most regularly the people that make that offense most commonly. We show up because, because we have since we've been an infant, right? You just grew up in church. I think if I, I just asked for a raise of hands, the vast majority here would have gone to church since you guys were first born. Like, we just grew up in church. This is what we do. I don't, I don't know any, anything else like why do you guys sing that, that song? Why do you sing in general? Why do you guys go together? Why do you raise your hands? Like, I don't know. We just always have. Like, that's just, and you're just a byproduct of, of culture, and that's, you know, you can't be faulted for that. But I think what we can be faulted for is being okay with that and being content with that and not wondering always, why am I doing that? It's up to us to always seek, why am I doing this? Why, why are we a part of this? And I think we can be faulted for that. I think... I think it's really a sad thing to have somebody listening to a sermon because it's their 10,000th and 14th sermon, and they just hear them every single Wednesday, sometimes every Sunday, so twice a week, and so you've been through a million sermons, and so now, like, you just show up, you listen, you leave, and, like, you have no desire for your heart to hear and to be stirred, your soul to be challenged by what is being said because that's just culture. You just, you just show up at church and you just listen. And I think it's honestly a disgrace. It's honestly, it has to sadden God to know that people gather and pray to him but have no expectation that God will actually do something about it, right? But actually, we go a step further, I think. I think we don't just not know why we Worship, that God is amazing, God is the creator of all things, that God is deserving of praise. We don't just forget that, but we also make up our reasons why we do it. And, and if it's not because God's deserving of praise and we want to lift up his name, well, that's a wrong reason to, to worship. One, one that I think is very true and applicable, and I think a lot of people here, I know myself, uh, it, I've found myself worshiping because I want to look good doing it. And if some of you here, like, 
you're lying to yourself if you don't think that that's you. I, honestly, I remember when I went to youth camp, I, was, I went to uh, the same youth as my now wife. That's really weird to say. I went to the same youth as my wife, and we, we went to youth camp, and I remember when we started dating, she told me how she told me how she and all of her friends thought that it was attractive the way that I worshipped. I mean, first of all, that's just kind of like weird. But I mean, you think about it, she was just like, well, I mean, yeah, like it just shows that you're seeking after God. Like how awesome is it? Guys take pointers here. How awesome is it to, to see a guy that's just seeking after God? And I'm like, yeah, like you thought, like me? Yeah. But honestly, that was probably, I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I can't say I I wish I didn't hear her say that because I think I've learned from that. But honestly, I think there, that did a lot of damage, me hearing that and stroking my spiritual ego because honestly, I started worshiping and lifting my hands the right way because I thought that it made me look better. And I think there's a lot of people that do that. You lift your hands, you get into the worship because, not because you are, are praising the God, the creator of all things, the one that set the earth in motion and started this thing called time. That's not why you're lifting your hands. You're lifting your hands because Stacy behind you is probably looking at you and you want to, like that, oh man, how? Like how sad is that? Honestly, I mean like it's kind of funny, like oh yeah, like song, make America great again, how? You know, but like that is what we are now calling a worship song. That is how diminished God is at this point by the church. We need to stop and realize it's not funny anymore. There's an issue. We're not singing worship to God. We're singing worship to ourselves. If you think about the, this is a cool little word study for all you guys if you're interested in this word study. The word worship, if you jump back all the way, you go to the Latin, you go to the Greek, you get back to the root of what, where did we get this word and now in the English, worship. In the Greek, you, they literally came up with this word based off of the idea of a dog coming up to their master and licking his hand, seeking to just be in his master's presence, a dog. So when we say the elements of worship, this is the elements of how we can be a, literally a dog before the presence of God, our creator, our master. But that's not what I think a lot of the times worship is. A lot of the times it's we see ourselves as the master and we've created God to be this dog that we are not even acknowledging. We create our own little reasons why we worship. We should really realize God created everything. You look out there, the beauty, and like, man, I just want to fall at my feet and worship you. I want to just be in love with you. I want to be mesmerized by you. But we've become numb to that, and we just, we don't think about it. You think about Exodus, Exodus chapter 14, you can turn there if you want to, but that's where we're going to be at. These people, they realized what it meant to worship God authentically and passionately. They, to give you some context, they just got out of Egypt and they, they experienced the power of God. And really, that has to be the first thing if you want to start worshiping authentically, passionately, powerfully, worshiping, pouring out all that you are before God in song and in praise, you have to realize how amazing he is. Because if you don't see how amazing he is, the dog has to see the master as much greater than he is, right? You have to see that God is so powerful, God is so amazing, and at that point then you can worship and exalt him as he deserves it. But 
we see that they, they saw exactly what that meant. They knew exactly what it meant to elevate God. They literally just experienced the power of God separating a sea. This is not just a, a story. This isn't just something that they made up. This isn't fiction. This is real. This is what actually happened, historical account. God split the sea. They experienced the power of God. They experienced the power of God. I, and I, I'm amazed by that because I think about it. Honestly, I was on my honeymoon with my wife. That's cool. I was on my honeymoon, and literally, I was looking out at the ocean. We went to Mexico, and, and I would literally, I would wave her, babe, come here, come here, come here, come here. Look at that wave. That was so much bigger than the other waves. Like, I mean, and I was amazed by that. Like, like that wave it had to have at least a foot and a half on those other waves. Like, that was a big, stinking wave crashing over. And then you think about God splitting a sea. Okay, experiencing the power of God that created and is in now complete sovereignty. He is over all things that are nature. So he literally splits the sea. They are experiencing this. They took him out. He took them out of Egypt where they were enslaved. Working as slaves, he takes them out, splits a sea. They experience the power of God, and this is where we pick up. Exodus chapter 14, the very end of it, it says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Now that's kind of graphic. They saw the power of God, and there was a bunch of dead bodies all across the seashore. Like, that's the power of God, though. God is greater than anything that they face. So, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses, the one that was leading them. Starting in verse 15, it says, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Now that is experiencing the power of God. You, you stop and you think about some of those things. He literally split the sea, crashes over the enemies, seeing bodies everywhere like God. You don't want to mess with. I think a lot of the times people think like, oh, that can't be God moving. That can't be God acting, right? That had to have been coincidence, Never, never think that. Like this is not one of those. If it's kind of like borderline, maybe that's coincidence, this isn't one of those times. You see the water split. There is no way. You're like, mm, I, I, don't, mm, I don't know. Like, no, that was God, like, literally splitting the sea and, and crashing over all the people that were opposing the Israelites, and the Israelites didn't get touched, and they were just, like, walking on dry land. You just can't, you just can't roll that off as coincidence. The power of God. And then it says, they sang, which is kind of amazing. They, that, that was their first response to the power of God. They sing. We'll get to that in a second. They, 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 I think if I saw what they just saw, singing wouldn't be the first, you know, like, oh, let me jump into this song. And I, this little ditty. Like, that is not what I would have jumped into, but that is exactly their response. And they said, for, we will sing now, for you have triumphed gloriously. And if you look at the, I, I don't, regularly do this, but if you jump into the, the original language of the Hebrew, triumphed gloriously, triumphed gloriously, is literally triumphed, triumphed. It's a repeated word, same word, right next to each other. He triumphed like 
to the most amount of triumphing. If you can triumph plus triumph, like that is what he just did. He triumphed over, he destroyed. There is no question about it. He demolished the opposition. He wiped out, he triumphs to the utmost extent, to the nth degree, I don't know how you wanna say that. He triumphed over them. This is the power of God. They experienced the power of God. And then it says, not only if that wasn't enough to say that God was powerful over their situation, he says, the horse and the rider, he is thrown into the sea. So not only did he destroy the opposition, but he destroyed the opposition and his instrument of opposing them. He didn't only destroy the people that were attacking them, but he destroyed the people and their means of attacking them. He destroyed them, and every chance they had of attacking them, he, he wiped that out too, the horse and the rider. He destroyed the enemy, made them know that there was no chance they were going to be able to fight them. He wiped them out, and he triumphed gloriously. They saw the power of God. They, they experienced the power of God, and it led them to song. That's what I said earlier. They, they, it led them to wanting to sing to God. And that's what we do right here. It led them to singing to God, praises to God. Why? Because of overwhelming joy. They could have done absolutely anything. And I think there's a lot of things you can do, rightfully so, but they chose in that moment to, to sing to God. And I think that's just a sign of this overwhelming joy, this joy to God, praise to God, lifting up praise to God, and that's what they did. And honestly, that's no different from us. I think we can regularly say, like, I don't experience God. I don't, I don't feel God. I don't hear God. I don't experience God. I can know God. I can, I can read this Bible and hear about God. But, like, if I, if I had to do a, a real, like, inventory of my life, I don't really experience God. And, and I hear that. I hear that. I get that. But at the same time, I also know that whenever I get into this, this quiet time with God and I'm reading his word and I'm just reflecting on all the people in here that are wretched, they are truly disgusting and the things that they do and I'm reflecting on the, the lust of David and the things that he did that were disgusting and the, and the, the sins of Israel regularly turning away from God because of the things that they wanted. The selfishness of Adam and Eve till the very beginning. You read all those things. You hear about the story after, one after another. And then I can see a little bit of me in every single one of those. Being completely honest. And I pray that you guys are too whenever you're reading that. I see myself in those stories. I see me doing the exact same thing. If I'm in that situation, I can see I am just as messed up as those people, but then I also see God is a forgiving God. I see that God is an amazing God. I see that God loves people, and he wants to share him. He will constantly forgive them time after time after time after time. Endless times of just, I love you. I love you, and I see myself in that too, and then at that point, I am just overwhelmed with it, just experiencing the presence of God. Not only do I know about God, not only do I know what he does, but I, I experience God. I believe I experience the presence of God. God Almighty, the one 
that is over all things, that creates all things, I have a personal relationship with him. I have quiet time with him. I don't only know about the power of God, I experience the power of God. And it makes the world of a difference. It makes everything that I do, so it's true, that's me. I'm disgusting, I don't deserve your love, you give it to me anyway, that's me. Your grace is so good, you love me. You saved me from what I deserve when I die. You give me relationship with you. How could that not make you want to just sing in overwhelming joy? I experience, truly experience the presence of God. And someone could say, well, that's not really experiencing. That's, you know, knowing. That's kind of like believing in your heart. But I don't know if that's experiencing the, you know, and I think about that. And I get that also. Like, that's not, is it experiencing? It's just truly, really believing strongly. Like, is it experiencing it? Well, I, you know, I was talking with Sarah when we were on our honeymoon. And and it was really weird. Like, we were, we were actually walking in, in the Walmart parking lot in Mexico. We, you know, no idea what we were doing. We were walking uh, around Walmart, and um, this kind of shows how morbid and weird we are. I, I turned to her, and I think I was the one that started the conversation. We were kind of going back and forth with it. But I said, you know, weird question. What would you do if I died? Like, would that be the breaking point? Which, is there a breaking point in which you would stop Worshiping God, you would stop being a Christian. You would stop believing in God. Like, is if if I died, you were here in Mexico. We literally just got married. I died. You just lost the number one person that you just profess your love to. I'm gone forever. You don't you don't see me here. Would, you, would is that the breaking point? Weird question. I know honeymoon, right? Really romantic. <laughs> and she said, absolutely not. I would praise God. And I'm like, well, hold on. Let's jump back into this. <laughs> Stop, please. I want to jump back here. What do you mean? And honestly, it was so profound. Like, we're talking about this, and it's like, man, I don't deserve any of it, though. I don't deserve relation. I don't deserve to be married to you. I don't deserve happiness. I don't deserve this good life. So when it's taken away from me, like, I didn't deserve it in the first place. I will praise God because I, I experience him daily. Daily, his love for me is not just shown in the one relationship I have with you. Like, he is shown in giving me you, certainly, no doubt about it, but like every day when I'm reading his word, when I'm experiencing, whenever I'm in relationship with him, whenever I'm talking with him, like I'm experiencing him daily. Why in the world would I give that up because I lost one of the blessings he's given me? Like, it doesn't make sense. I'm in regular relationship with God. And I was like, man, you're right. Like, I'm gonna sing praises to him for eternity because I know that I have a relationship with him because I know his great power because his great love for me. I might be at the altar here on my knees bawling because I am just, I'm devastated by whatever it has been that happened to me. I can be devastated. I can be down. Something horrible can have happened to me, but I'm still going to be singing praises to God. God, you are glorious. God, you're amazing. God, you're gracious. You've given me life after death. You've given me relationship with you. God, I lost so-and-so. God, I've, I've had this horrible thing happen to me. God, one thing after another still happened to me. I'm weeping. I'm sobbing, but you are glorious, and you're amazing. I'm going to constantly, nothing could stop me from singing praises to God. How cool is that? Nothing can stop me from singing praises to God because I know that he is more powerful than anything. So that's why we praise God, is because he is deserving, because he is all-powerful, because he is everything. 
But why sing specifically? Why, I mean, you can do a lot of things in response to knowing God is great. Why would you sing specifically? What does is, what is song do specifically? And I think it does a lot of things. Well, first off, I think why we should sing is because it's, it's, it's commanded to us over 50 times in the Bible. Sing, sing, sing out loud. Sing praises to God. Sing one after another commands to sing to God. There must be a reason. Uh, but I also think that there's a part of it that it is, honestly, it helps you be able to remember and not forget truths. I don't know about you, I, I love, it's not because I, I don't read this, the Bible, because I, I read it all the time, but I'm never like, man, I just cannot get that Bible verse out of my head. Like, I'm never to that point, right? But like, how many times am I that way with a song? Okay, like TBQ, you guys rock my world. You guys amaze me the way you guys, how much you memorize, but even then, like, I don't know, like, are you like, oh my gosh, it's driving me crazy. I have the entire book of Mark in my head. Like, yeah, yeah. she's like, yeah, actually it is. <laughs> like, well, for the rest of us, we have songs stuck in our heads, okay? We have songs stuck in our heads. Like, that is the amazing aspect of songs. Song is like a universal, I was talking with somebody at a coffee shop the other night about this, and we were just talking, and like, song is like the universal suitcase of information for all of humanity. Like, honestly, it's kind of weird, but like, I mean, the Bible is too. But you can literally throw anything into a song, universal suitcase, you know, put this little image in your head. You can put any information in this and all of humanity can connect with it because all of humanity rests in some way. Song resonates with every culture globally. It's just how it is. And it gets stuck in your head. It gets embedded into your head and you're constantly thinking about how great is it that if all the songs you had stuck in your head were just reminding you or constantly just reiterating how great God is, how much he loves you, all the things he's done for you. How cool is it that song can do that? Trap truths of how great God is in your head. That's the power of a song that lifts praises to God. That's the power of song being sung to God Almighty. How sad is it that we're replacing that with dumb songs that have nothing to do with him. It's the power of a worship, worshiping God in song. We, we sing because he is all-powerful. But we also sing because we're constantly needing to be reminded that he is great. We, and we need songs to remind us of that. If you keep going in what we were just reading, Exodus chapter 15, it continues and says, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is, they're singing this out. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. So not only what he has done, we are going to lift up to him, but we are lifting up praises to him because he still is. And if you remember the story of the Israelites in Exodus, it doesn't take long before they're like, man, I want that life back there again. This is horrible. That was terrible. But like now I get it. Like this is pretty terrible too. Did we just come here? Did we just get saved from Egypt so that now we would die in the wilderness? Did we just get, has he, did he just do that past tense to where now we would be here and we would die? Like this is horrible too. But not only did he save them, not only did he triumph in the past, but he 
still is continuing. He is my strength. He is my song. And I think we constantly need that reminder that God is still actively on your side. God is still actively working for you. He is still your strength. And he's your constant song in your head. He's reminding you that you can sing praises to him because he is still in control. You think about in Acts, Paul, he just got beat. He just got whipped for doing something great. He got put in prison. What did he start doing? He started singing songs. He was at the lowest of low. He had no idea what was going to happen to him. He was in prison. He started singing songs, praising God. We're going to sing here in just a minute, and that's exactly what God has called us to do. He's called us to sing to him. There's value in that. There is amazing value in singing praises to God, to hearing his word, to praying with one another, to sing praises to God, because he is deserving, because he is almighty. Can you guys stand up with me? Before we do this, I really don't want you to take this time and just read the words on the screen and do what is so easy for Bible Belt Christians, nominal Christians, to do, to have no experiencing of the Almighty within them. God is here. He's moving. And he wants you to be in interaction, to be in relationship, to be in communion with him. Sing praises to God that saves people though they don't deserve it. He is all-powerful over all things and we should sing praises to him. Not because everyone else is watching you, but because you want to be in interaction with God. God. And then my last little bit of looking at this scripture and what it says to us. I also wouldn't say just sing praises about God, but sing praises to God. If you look at this, their song that they were just singing, Moses and the Israelites, they sang about God for about three or four verses. God is so great. God is my shield. God is my strength. God is my song. He wiped out the Egyptians. The horse and the rider, he did this, but then they change it, and it's no longer he did this, but he said, but they say for, from verse 6 to verse 17, I think it is, you are my strength. You are my song. You wiped out. You did this. And I think you can only go so long singing praises about God, talking about how great God is, before you can just turn and say, God, I want to say it to you. I don't want to just talk about you. I don't want to just talk about you among my friends. I want to say it to you. I want to turn to you. I want to be looking at you, and I want to sing praises to you because it's you who saved me because it's you who loves me. We can talk about God, but we need to turn at some point and start singing praises to him, one-on-one. Let's sing praises to God because he wants a one-on-one. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, I just pray in this moment as we go into worship, as we go into praising your name, Lord, that you would be lifted up, that you would be glorified, Lord, that you would receive all the praise. Lord, take out, take out of us all this desire to be elevating ourselves, to be the master, and that we would be humbled to the point of getting on our knees and saying, God, you are the master. I 
I'm just a dog and I want to worship you. You are amazing. I am nothing. I am a sinner and you love me nonetheless. God, I want to worship you. I see how great you are, how powerful you are in all the things that you have done in the scriptures and in all the times that I get to be able to embrace you in my daily looking to you. You're amazing and I experience the power of you and it's unparalleled. You're undeserving. Lord, I pray that you would receive this praise, this undivided attention of praise. Would you be lifted up in these next few moments? It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're not already a part of the AC family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.